Thank you, Hannah and worship team, for ministering to us, reminding us of God's goodness. You can be seated this morning. I am so excited to be with you to worship our, our God, who is good. Uh, tomorrow is Veterans Day, so uh, we want to take a moment. If you have served in our armed forces, whether the uh, Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the National Guard, uh, would, you, would you stand up this morning so we can recognize you? All right. So please, please, please stay standing, and I, I want to ask that if your husband or wife is here, would you, would you stand up with them? Because this is, a, this is a shared sacrifice, and so we want to recognize spouses as well who've served. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you guys so much, and women and men, for serving. Um, we are so grateful for your sacrifice so that we can be here and worship and have freedom. We know freedom comes at a cost. And so thank you. Thank you for serving. Would you join me in praying this morning? Right now, Father, we need you. As we sang of your goodness this morning, the reality is many of us here this morning are carrying uh, struggle, doubt, difficulty, things in our lives that uh, we wonder but we've sung and now we open your word and we need you, God, to reveal yourself to us and our stories that, God, your story would, would impact our hearts and our lives and our minds and the way we live so that, God, we can sing that song freely and saying, God, you are good. You are worthy because, God, there is no one like you. You are worthy. You are the treasure above all treasures, worth seeking worth knowing above all other things and so god we exalt you we look to you today may you speak to us may you call us to yourself this morning in jesus name amen so we've been going through first peter three through nine and we've uh read these verses over and over and uh I, as a father one thing I've learned about parenting is it's repetition. You have to say it over and over and over again, right? Right, parents? So um, I think God is a, a good father, so he repeats things over and over to us. And throughout the Bible, uh, the message of what we see in First Peter is repeated. But uh, we're repeating these verses over and over so that we can be reminded of who God is. So would you join me in standing in reverence to God's word this morning as we read out of First Peter uh, verses 3 through 9. And you can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
Praise God for his word. You may be seated. So one thing I've learned about human nature, partly observing but also knowing myself, is we're really good at manipulating, trying to get our way. (laughs) When we want something, we're going to go for it, right? And we're going to try to figure it out. I see it with my my own children as uh, as they try to get what they want. And so... Manipulation is, is so much part of, of our, our lives and, and how we try to deal with things in our life. But then all of us will come face to face with God. And my prayer is that um, if you haven't, you will soon. And many of you have come face to face with God in your lives. But one day we all will. In fact, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so... The, the human story is one where we will come face to face with our creator, with our maker. But many of us uh, forget that we are not God <laughs> or that we've, we are trapped sometimes in thinking that we are God and so we try to make our own way and we forget that God is God and we are not. That's what I was trying to say, sorry. <laughs> we are not God, he is God. And so we will meet him face to face in one way or another. And so what we see in 1 Peter is a revelation of who God is. That God has revealed himself. He's made himself known. And so we don't have to guess about what God is like or who he is. In fact, he's revealed very clearly and plainly in the scriptures. And we believe the scriptures are much less about us. And it's a story about God and his revelation of who he is and our need for him in our lives. And so we need to learn about who God is. And so the first thing we see when we read 1 Peter is that he is a resurrection God. (laughs) And last week I talked about how the resurrection God has always existed and throughout the Old Testament we see pictures of God resurrecting, taking broken situations, taking Um, broken lives and making them new and seeing broken uh, pieces of 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 history in the Jewish history and God resurrecting bringing about a change a new reality and we see here that we see that God is a resurrection God but then we also learn in verse 4 that he is a giving God he has an inheritance he has an inheritance and it's a good inheritance it's one that won't spoil won't perish and won't fade and so God is a generous God, a giving God. And so what we learn about God here in 1 Peter is not only is he the resurrection God, he is also the God of generosity, of giving. And he's not stingy in his giving. (laughs) He gives the very best. He's not saving the leftovers for his people. In fact, he's guarding this inheritance that is of infinite worth. And so we learn about who God is. We learn and see his goodness as he has revealed himself to be absolutely good. And Jesus came to reveal this to us. Um, Jesus, we believe, is God, that he came into this world as God to reveal who God is. In fact, in John 14, 9, he told his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so Jesus tells us this incredible statement (laughs) that In him, we see the fullness of everything God is. And we know when we look at the life of Jesus is we see goodness. We see that Jesus came to heal. He came to restore. He came to give life. He took 
dead things, even dead people, and he rose them to life. And he himself came to life. He took broken people and he made them whole. He found lost people and he made them found and accepted and belonging. And so we see in Jesus the full revelation of God as good. (laughs) Not coming to condemn or destroy or to harm, but coming to heal and to restore and to give life. And so in Jesus we see the goodness of God and I love that Jesus referred to God as Father. (laughs) That tells us about the nature of God. Not all of us have necessarily had good fathers, but what Jesus reveals to us is that the ultimate nature of God is good as a father, as a good father. Throughout this series, Bill and Nick have emphasized different things about God, and I want to re-emphasize those this morning, that what we see in Jesus and what we see revealed in the scripture is that God is ultimately sovereign. He's sovereign, and in his sovereignty, he has a plan, and he has a purpose. And we're told in 1 Peter that this plan and this purpose is redemption, that he came to save, he came to deliver, he came to restore, he came to make old things new and dead things alive. And so we learn that God's plan and his sovereignty is ultimately to save, (laughs) to redeem, to take what was lost and make it found to take what was enslaved and make it free and so we learn that God is sovereign and that he has a purpose throughout human history God has been working he's been moving he's been revealing himself he's been changing things so we learn that God is sovereign what we also see in the scripture is God's character we learn his nature is ultimately good we're told that God is love (laughs) God is love and how do, we, how do we know this? Well, Jesus, <laughs> he came as God's representative and what did he do? He sacrificed his life. He went to the cross and he died, not for himself, but he died for us. He died for the sins of the world. He was willing to lay down his life for us and our good. And so we learn that God is good. That is his nature, his character is ultimately, purely good. He is love. I love Psalm 34. It's ministered to me in in some of my um, most difficult seasons of life and some of the hardest things I've found. I've gone to Psalm 34 over and over. King David wrote this in a terrible trial in his own life. And he wrote Psalm 34 because he wanted to remind us of who God is, his sovereign purpose that he is a redeeming God. He wanted to remind us of his nature, his character. And this is what he says in Psalm 34. We will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on our lips. And I I love what David does here is what Peter does in 1 Peter, right? He says, praise. And so when we're in the middle of trial, when we're in the middle of difficulty, our temptation is to start looking at our circumstances, looking at the resources or the things that we have and the invitation of what God is inviting us to do is get our eyes off ourselves, off our circumstances, and get it on to God. <laughs> and that's what David does. He says, we will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord 
heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. And here, here's what David says. He says, taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> you see, King David knew that God had a purpose, that he had a plan. He knew that God was good. And it wasn't just a, con- a concept. It was something that he could taste, he could experience in his life. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. Those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And David understood and Peter understood and the Bible is telling us and reminding us that God is good. He is perfectly good in every way. So what do we do now? Because Peter says now we face many kinds of trials, many various different kinds of trials. So we suffer and we wonder Because just like Adam and Eve in the garden, as they saw this fruit and they were tempted to take it and Satan came to them and said, did God really say? He questioned God's goodness. And there's a battle raging because as the Bible has revealed who God is, the Bible has also revealed the reality in which we live. And there's three things I want to point out about this because all of us are facing this today and every day of our lives. Number one, we live in a broken, sinful world that is under a dreadful curse. The Bible is very clear that what we are experiencing today was never God's intention. His intention was to create a good world. (laughs) And when he created and he spoke everything into being, it was meant to be good in a place of blessing and flourishing. That human beings were to live as image bearers of God and partakers in God's uh, work here on this planet. And so we're told that all of that became corrupted and distorted when sin came in and a curse fell on human beings and human history. And it's very evident all around us. We see the evidence of that because deep in our hearts, what do we long for? That things are going to get better and better, right? <laughs> that all of us are longing for this uh, this this reality of what we call eternity. In fact, the Bible says God has placed eternity in our hearts and we long for that. We long for everything to get better and better. (laughs) But the reality is things don't. Our bodies get older. We get sick. We see our work and things that we put into place doesn't last. It, It actually gets worse. It gets harder. It gets more difficult. And so we call this in the Bible the curse. And that's a reality in our world. We live in that. The second thing that we have to realize is that we ourselves, us, (laughs) that we have been corrupted by sin as well. It's not just out there, it's in here. That this corruption has affected our our wills and our actions and, and we do things that are in rebellion towards God and that are hurtful towards God and towards others. Some of the uh, worst human uh, or the worst physical pain that I've experienced was uh, because of the choice of someone else that they chose to drive after drinking alcohol and so they hit me and my car head on and it caused my bones to shatter and I almost could have lost my life and so there's dreadful choices that we make that affect others and if I'm honest I've done horrible hurtful things 
to people as well. And if we are honest, we all realize that all of us have what the Bible calls the flesh, which is this tendency to do things that are harmful and hurtful and are not good. And so not only do we live in a world that's broken by a curse, but we ourselves (laughs) are making choices and doing things that are in rebellion to God and hurtful to others. But then there's a third thing. And the Bible reveals that Satan is a real being who exists as a spirit who's bent on rebellion and destruction. And so as God, it represents everything that is good, as he is purely good, Satan is purely evil. (laughs) Everything about him is bent on destroying what God has made good. He wants to corrupt, he wants to deceive, he wants to destroy. In fact, Jesus referred to Satan as the father of lies. (laughs) He's the one who seeks to devour and destroy your life and my life and everything that is in this world. And so he is the one who is the accuser. He's the one who sows doubt and accusations into our lives. He's the, ultimately the one that questions God's goodness. And he attacks us and he brings us questions and those accusations in our lives as we go through various trials. And so we need to understand this picture that God is sovereign. He's working his plan of redemption. We have to see that his character is absolutely love, absolutely good. But we live in this reality of a battle, a battle with the world and its broken, terrible curse, our own flesh, our own tendency towards sin and the enemy of our souls who wants to destroy us. And there's mystery there. We can't, we can't understand all of the aspect of that. But there's two ways that we can respond to this reality according to the Bible. And both Bill and Nick have brought this up in past Sundays is that we have seen in ourselves and we see in others and the Bible points out that the human being can choose to go one of two ways. In fact, Jesus said there's two paths, right? There's a wide path that leads to destruction and then there's a narrow path that leads to life. And this story of how we respond as human beings to the reality of what we live in and the reality of what God is doing in our world, we have two choices. The first choice is to respond when we suffer and we encounter difficulty in the reality of this world. We can respond in fear and anger and resentment. And this anger drives us towards rebellion. Rebellion towards God and rebellion towards others. And this can be exhibited through actions that are outwardly harmful or in hiding and trying to fix things by hiding and escaping from the pain or the difficulty. But there's another way. And the way that Peter is inviting us and the way that the whole Bible, I think, is inviting us and Jesus came to invite us is the way of faith, where we trust God, where we believe God We understand who God is and we seek to place our trust and our faith and our lives in his hand. And the Bible says when we do this, instead of fear and anger and bitterness, the result of faith is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And so in this, our lives are transformed. There's a change that takes place. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle, that we don't suffer, that we don't have all the same difficulties of every other person, but we understand who God is. We understand that he is working in the middle of it (laughs) and that he's working in our lives in the middle of it. I love what 
Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, because he's talking about suffering and difficulty. And he says, through the Holy Spirit, God produces in us perseverance. And that perseverance produces character. (laughs) This is God changing our nature of who we are and our character, hope. And hope will never put us to shame. (laughs) And that's what Peter is talking about when he's talking about a living hope. (laughs) That this is what God is doing in the middle of the curse, in the middle of our own flesh, in the middle of this battle with Satan, God is is doing something new. And I love what Peter says in verse 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. And so this is our choice. We have to respond to God in the middle of the difficulty, in the middle of the trial, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. You see, Jesus is revealing who God is. And the choice is to put our trust, our faith in him to receive his resurrection power, to receive the inheritance that he is giving. Throughout this series, we've been showing stories and we have a video story today. A few months ago, I sat down with Dave Gates, who is part of our our body here. And I was amazed again at, at how God brings transformation in people's lives because the hope that we're talking about is real. And so David uh, is a veteran and he's going to share a little bit of his story uh, with Jesus. My name is Dave Gates here. Uh, Marion and I have been members in the church for for a long time, but uh, I guess Ben wants me to kind of tell you a little bit about me, okay? And about God's goodness. I went into the service when I was 19 years old, went to, to Vietnam as a little 19-year-old country boy. And uh, that little country boy died three, three days after I got in country because I got shot out of the air. When they stuck me into the casualty branch, I ran the casualty branch for the 23rd Infantry for a year, so pretty much we were handling death every day. I remember my first dead guy that I saw, but then it got pretty, you know, don't remember much of them after that until I answered the phone one day and it was one of my friends that had died in a helicopter crash. I told that story a hundred times and never felt like I do lately. My PTSD came back a year ago and when it did, now it's hard for me to tell that story without totally breaking up and crying. I came back as a totally different person to this society, didn't fit. And as a Vietnam veteran, you didn't even mention you were a Vietnam veteran because you were ostracized back in those days, you know that. Carried a PTSD, a lot of guys didn't have PTSD, but a lot of us did, a lot of us were broken. And we just buried it and just went to work. It was a wild child because of it. Uh, drugs and alcohol. Ran myself right into a corner. One time couldn't get out and because of my past. And so I backed myself into a corner and couldn't get out. And I called on him for help. And he totally intervened in my life that second. And I'd be, he swept the forces away that were trying to own me. And I became his. It became his project. It took me about a year to accept Christ after that. But once I accepted Christ, I cannot believe how good I felt. It was like all, I was so clean. Like all those bad habits. It was totally obvious to everybody what had happened. 
to give you a little idea, back in the day when I had Dave's Meat Market, uh, Pastor Johnson, who was the first pastor of the church, when there was like 25 members, uh, he had told, I found out from Harvey Christensen about this, he had told everybody in church to come down and talk to me, to friend me. They knew my prices were a little bit higher, but come on down and talk to me and pray for Dave Gates because Pastor Johnson felt there was a reason he had come. They were praying for me and coming in and talking to me. And what happened is when they've been praying for me prior to when I ran into that wall, I went to a non-denominational worship service and I accepted Christ in there and, and Christ healed me. It was the most perfect feeling I've ever felt in my life. Got my smile back. Uh, walked into church that Sunday morning and I see uh, Harvey Christensen there. So I walk up and said, Harvey, how you doing? And he turned around and looked at me, and his jaw just dropped and hit the floor. He was so amazed to see me in church. <laughs> and they just made all kinds of good friends and been with this church forever. But uh, what had happened is, you know, God takes you through trials and tribulations to grow you. It's like Pastor Dwayne said, the pastor we used to have, he was teaching on James, he said, we were talking about trials and tribulations, and we were all grown. And you go, you want to grow, don't you? And we just hated to hear it. I just hated to hear him say that. But anyway, what happened is the military gave me hepatitis C. And so they put me on treatments to get rid of it. And it, my doctor told me it was the worst treatment devised for man to survive. And uh, it was 48 chemotherapy shots and a bunch of pills over a period of 48 weeks. And I lost 38 pounds. I was at the weakest point in my life. And during that period, God was able to go through me and tell me who I am. Teach me my identity as who I am. I thought I had this all figured out. I was so far off base. And he taught me who I am because of what he did at the cross, what Christ did at the cross as to who I am now, my identity. But through this, I learned that God's good. I mean, everything he does is, uh, is perfect. Some of the corners in my life that I didn't want to turn over before I've turned over. Do I trust God enough to turn over those corners in my life? Do I trust him? One of my favorite songs is by Hillsong United, it's Oceans. He brought me out onto the, upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And there I'll find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. And he keeps blessing me every day in this life. He's got me into a project for veterans right now that's literally huge. We're building a factory here in town to help veterans train veterans. God has such a broken heart for veterans in this country. Tom Haggerty asked me one time, he said, well, now you're going through, these, through this trial. Do you know God better? And I said, Tom, I said, it's beyond knowing. He's my daddy now. He's my daddy. I love him. I know he loves me explicitly. He has nothing but the best in life for me. And he does you too. All you have to do is trust him. Walk out on that water. Trust him. He won't let you sink. You'll go through some trials. You'll go through some tribulations. But it's like Steve said in that video last week, last week's sermon. He said, if you don't go through trials, you won't grow. Enjoy the trials and tribulations. Praise in the trials and tribulations as you grow, because that's all it is. He's on your side. Trust him. 
My name is Dave. Is that awesome? So this isn't just an intellectual concept, it's a reality. <laughs> uh, what struck me about Dave when he shared is he came out of that war experience with so much anger, so much brokenness and hiding and alcohol, but look at him now. <laughs> now he reflects God's goodness and he's serving others, he's helping others, he's sharing with others. That's, that's what Jesus does. He's a resurrection God. He, he takes what's broken, what's lost, and he, he makes it new. I love what First Peter says later in ver- verse 17. He says, since... You call on a father who judges each person's person's work impartially. Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But here's what Dave pointed out. But with the precious blood of Christ. (laughs) You see, God loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice, lay everything on the line to help you, to help me, to experience what only God can give us, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. You see, God in his sovereignty, the work he's doing is revealing redemption. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. That's my cry, my prayer for us this morning, <laughs> is that we would put our faith in God. He is good. <laughs> we can trust him. We can, we can lay our lives in his hands, and he will do something good. He will do something wonderful in us. You see, we cannot control or manipulate God or get him to do what we want. In fact, that's the core of idolatry, is to try to make God's in our own image or in created images, but rather we learn about who God is. Jesus has revealed him to us. He has a plan, he has a purpose, and it's good. And so as we go through the disappointments and the adversity and the trials, we get to this point, all of us will get to this point where we realize, I can't handle it, (laughs) and someone else can't fix it for me. We have to get to that point where we say, only God can handle this. This is too big. For me or someone else, only God can handle this. We need God. I'm going to ask Hannah to come up to close in a song, but this whole series, we've been starting at verse 3, but I want to back up to verse 2, because verse 2 is beautiful, because <laughs> it tells us who God is. And it's talking about us, that we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You see the, the sovereignty of God, that God is Father that he's chosen in love. But then we say, see that through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, God is Trinity. And so the Holy Spirit, Dave said, God wants to grow us. He wants to change us. He wants to give us that character, the kind of people that can experience God and the hope and respond in faith. And so the Holy Spirit is helping us. He's with us. It's God with us, working, growing us, changing us to be obedient to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood. (laughs) You see, Jesus is enough. God has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's all we need. He is the treasure. He is the inheritance, and he's inviting us to trust him, to place our faith in him. 
Would you join and sing us as, as we place our faith and our eyes on Jesus who is the resurrection and the life.